specifically within the prime system. And I don't, I can't speak about other companies, but they have way more freights available to them than they have the ability to cover. And that's my understanding. And that's not necessarily COVID created. I think prime has been like that for quite a few years. Really right now for the short term minded person, I mean, the power only probably isn't where the big money is because the, the spot market rates are off the charts. But Tim DeWitt, whose voice you heard at the top, is no short-term-minded person, as he put it there. The small fleet owner's got his eye on long-term goals of continuing to improve the conditions under which his now more than 30 driver employees operate, to continue to achieve some profitability as well. He's doing that with his authority, as DeWitt Transportation, based in Southern Illinois, without owning a single trailer. I'm Todd Dills, your host for today's edition of the Overdrive Radio Podcast, where we'll lean more closely into DeWitt's operation, detailed in part in our recent three-part feature series covering the wild growth and power-only opportunities for owners with motor carrier authority. You can find that series via overdriveonline.com, search Power Only. There are many reasons for opportunity growth in that operating segment, where a truck owner runs a carrier business with authority but doesn't bring an owned trailer to the freight arrangement. DeWitt was describing one of these reasons at the top. Growth and demand for large carrier services and limitations on their own growth. Hauling exclusively for large carrier primes brokerage, though, DeWitt's own company's growth has been explosive over the roughly two years he's been an employer of anyone other than himself. With steady and rising contract type rates in prime system, he's made hay of that long-term focus in a very short period of time, going from one to more than 30 trucks and drivers and climbing. He's been that spot market hauler before, though, from around the time he first got his authority in 2008. And I did that for eight years and uh, knew it was a bad business model. It really is um, long term. You were so. Uh, no, no, I uh, it was always from 2008. Well, my, my late wife um, ran with me. I mean, she was my co-driver before we got her on motor carrier authority. And the reason. I ended up getting my motor carrier authority as I really didn't see any other viable options because she was diagnosed with ovarian cancer and she wasn't going to be able to, to do treatment and drive. Um, and I needed to find a way to possibly add some more, um, some more profit to what I was doing. Um, so I reluctantly went out and got my authority in August of 2008 and she wrapped up the, the first set of cancer treatments. Um, I don't know, the late uh, middle of 2009. And then she got back in the truck and drove with me. And we did team for maybe um, eight or 10 months. And um, I really, the the thing about ovarian cancer, especially when it's diagnosed in stage three or later, is it's got a, a pretty high mortality rate ultimately. And I didn't want her last days to be cooped up in a truck because in some ways teaming a truck is almost like being in jail with some scenery because the truck never stops except to get fuel, maybe to get something to use the restroom and then you're back rolling again. And I didn't want her last year or years to be lived like that. So I taught her um, how to negotiate with brokers and, and look for loads. And it took some of the pressure off of me trying to drive and do that and then she stayed at home and dispatched me 
uh, until she got real sick in uh, early 20, like January of 2014. This is the third time the cancer came back and then ultimately um, killed her in June of that year. Tim DeWitt has since remarried and when we talked late last month, was doing what I know a lot of the small fleet owners among you can appreciate, putting out fires as well. Unfortunately, it seems like every day. Yep. I mean, honestly, probably not as bad as a lot of as a lot of companies deal with, but it just seems like there's always something. So, right. never a dull moment. DeWitt was among Overdrive's 2021 Small Fleet Champ semifinalists back in the fall. The business was sitting at 33 trucks at the time. Yeah, I, I bought two brand new ones, which would put me at 35, and then I had one of my two owner-operators um, actually get cancer. He's not doing very good and needed to sell mm-hmm. his truck, so I, I paid that off, and he found a buyer, which is pretty easy. The only thing in trucking that's easy right now is selling these trucks. The, the used truck market is just absolutely insane right now. Right. I've got trucks that a year and a half ago I paid half of what I can sell them for now. And uh, so he was able to pay his truck off and sell it and walk away with a little money to get him through his cancer treatments. And I was able to make a little money. And so we're at 34 now. So we're going to dive right into just how DeWitt's power only business model has in part enabled him to recruit all those drivers when also, many of his larger carrier counterparts sound like they're facing the greatest shortage in history when they talk about drivers and all the rest. Along the way, we'll hear much more about the small fleet owner's history and plans he has toward fulfilling those long-term minded goals of his. Before we dive right in though, here's a word from Overdrive Radio's sponsor. First Guard provides commercial truck insurance to leased owner operators done right. As we've done for more than 80 years, we provide physical damage and non-trucking. Many companies make you pay up to six months of insurance premiums up front, but not First Guard. We bill monthly, so you get quality insurance without needing to pay a lot of cash up front. Go to firstguard.com. That's one guardcom First Guard. We speak trucker. Let's talk. Um, when they were forcing the ELDs into yeah. all trucks at the end of 2016, I didn't know how well that was going to work out. I, I, when I first got my authority, I, I had done power only for about eight or nine months, and maybe it was even a year. Um, I mean, it, it, it was an okay situation. It definitely wasn't great, and it started to go south um, because they. They're supposed to pay in 14 days, and it got to where, I mean, they owe me $42,000, like six, eight weeks past due. And so, um, but I've heard some positive things about Prime, and after talking to them, um, I thought it might be a place that I could go. And I did initially, the first first year or so, I did bring a co-driver on. and which ended up being a mistake, quite honestly, because by the by the time I paid him, and I probably paid him better than I needed to, um, but by the time I paid him and all the extra miles that were racked up on the truck, I probably didn't walk away with any more money than I could have had if I just would have soloed the truck and saved the miles. But I mean, I survived and did okay and, and helped me maybe learn um, how to maximize my profitability within the prime system. And um, and then he ended up wanting to uh, get more time with his daughter. Um, 
and I uh, got out of the truck, I think, in February of uh, 2018. So then I soloed for the rest of that year and then started, got talked into building a fleet in, uh, in 2019. Right. It's like everything I've done in trucking has been reluctant. I've never wanted to do yeah, I never wanted to be a lease operator. The first truck I bought, I kind of got tossed into it. And um, it, the initial deal was not good. Um, and then I didn't want to have my own authority, but I felt like it was about the only viable option I had. And um, so I, I've been I've been a reluctant participant, but it's always, I've always seemed to be able to make it work for whatever reason and didn't want to build a fleet. Now I've got 34 trucks and I guess I'm pretty successful. I mean, my, I pay my drivers good and I still make some money. And You compare and contrast a little bit for me when you think back to, I know it was interstate distributors you were doing power only with. Um, yeah. In that early period there. Um, you know, in terms of, you know, what that meant uh, there and then what that means uh, in the operation you're in now at Prime, uh, compare and contrast those. Uh, what, what are some of the differences? I know, um, I mean, the one, one thing I'm kind of getting at here is, you know, I keep keep asking folks to kind of define what that, what power only, you know, really means uh, for, you know, for them. And, uh, you know, you kind of get, you get, I mean, the, the basics are all there. You know, you've got a uh, uh, carrier with, on, with his own authority, doesn't need a trailer, uh, doesn't bring a trailer to the, to the contracting party. Um, and, and then in within that, there's all kinds of other other variations. Some some are like uh, you know you're dedicating to a particular customer. Sometimes that's not the case. Um, it sounds like what you're doing uh, in in Prime, you there's quite a lot of latitude for 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 choosing loads, uh, uh, and, and you may have some some kind of dedicated lanes too, if my memory is correct. But I don't know. Compare and contrast those those situations for me. And, well, with interstate distributors, um, number one, they're a much smaller company. Yeah. I think they maybe had 2,000. I mean, it's still big, but they, I think they yeah. had maybe 2,000 trucks at the time. Um, they did do reefer, but it was a very small fleet. And in order for us to do reefer, we would have had to have been a hazmat carrier as well, which I never thought was worth doing. Um, so we just pulled a dry box. They were much older. Uh, trailers in very poor condition. Um, the rate would ended up being a lot lower. Um, and of course, being dry van, you didn't have reefer fuel and maybe some other things to cover. But um, we didn't have access to their shop. I remember, I mean, it's been a while, but I don't ever remember having access to their shop facilities. We did get a fuel discount by using their fuel card, but I don't think it was very good. So I ended up, I think I used my own fuel card um, through uh, MASTIC, National yeah. Association of Small Trucking Companies. And, and the discount there was decent, nothing like what we see at Prime, but I think it may have been better than interstate distributors. But uh, in, uh, you're under your own authority. I mean, I think anywhere you would probably have the option of turning a load down. Yeah. because you're picking and choosing your loads because otherwise I would think that maybe that's blurring the line of whether you're really your own motor carrier or not. I always felt at interstate distributors that there was some really good paying dedicated uh, freight for dedicated customers that was not available to us. I don't know if I could say I could prove that, but I always felt that was the case. 
Um, and I mean, our, our average rate per mile there was, was much, much lower than what it is with what we're doing now. So this was, of course, more than a decade ago. Just following the 2007 crash in rates with the Great Recession, the recovery a long time in coming, as many in the audience will well remember. But in that system at that company, since purchased by a larger outfit, upsides DeWitt sees today that in some ways resemble benefits an owner-operator in a traditional lease arrangement might get. Most power-only upsides were fewer, no a doubt. Lot less, a lot less um, perks, I guess I would say, running for them. Um, didn't seem to be um, a very good relationship, which is ultimately why I went and bought my own reefer trailer and, and left. Um, with Prime, I will say that um, the only freight that we don't have access to, which we could if we wanted to, is the, uh, the high-value loads. And I don't think the added cost of carrying one or two million dollar cargo insurance would be worth the increased rates. Um, so we choose not to do that. But I think that we do have uh, we have all of the freight available to us, but all the Prime's trucks do pulling their normal okay. stuff. Um, Prime does have uh, the option of. Uh, different regions if you choose to run that. Um, my feeling is generally you're not going to do as well financially doing that. Um, the one thing I do like about how Prime runs, or I'd say their business model is as much as possible, every employee at Prime has skin in the game. So they benefit financially or pay the price financially for good or bad decisions. Um, our primary fleet manager, a large portion of his income, I don't know exactly how much, but I know he tells me he couldn't eat on his salary. Um, so I'm thinking 95% or more of his personal income comes from a percentage of what his trucks gross. So it, it, it's, he benefits himself by making us as much money as possible because he's making more money also. So I like that, and I, I believe that that business model goes right down to the mechanics and everybody that works there pretty much. I don't know how you do it with a janitor or something, but pretty much anybody that has any decision-making ability at all there is on the hook financially to either benefit or pay a penalty for good or bad decisions. Um, and I think that that motivates people to do a good job. Again, much better fuel discounts, um, so that's a huge benefit. The, the shop having availability to get in and get things done at the uh, the shops that are at their three main terminals is a big benefit, though that has gotten less of a benefit because one of the effects of COVID, like everybody, is you know, it takes a week to get in and get something fixed beyond an oil change. Used to be at all three of their terminals, you could get a load going to or through that area and let them book an appointment and have it within 12 hours. Uh, and hopefully that rectifies itself. I mean, at some point, um, yeah, well, and the parts is another issue and which of course is out of their control. I, although I will say, um, that's another benefit, um, that we've had uh, a couple times just in the last few months, uh, a truck in at a dealership, um, that needed some warranty work done on it. And the freight liners telling us that the part is on a nationwide back order and it might be a couple weeks before they can get the part. 
and um, we'll call Prime up, and they have three of them sitting in stock. Yeah. So we'll get the part overnighted from from Prime to the Freightliner dealership and, and keep our truck rolling. Um, another benefit, I would say, and this, I, I believe, and again, we're talking, what, 12, 13 years ago when we were over at uh, yeah. State Distributors. The, as I remember it, we the tension was kind of paid there, but nothing like at Prime. Um, Prime is really good at um, at getting the tension paid. Um, we use, well, we have Qualcomm's in all of our trucks, but we also have an app that runs on the driver's phone. And when they show up at a customer, they send a, an arrive at pickup or delivery message. It takes a GPS coordinate. There's proof that they were there on time. And depending on the customer, usually the tension will start two hours after the appointment time, or if it's a drop and hook load after the what they call the drop dead time on the load, uh, the time that that trailer was supposed to be ready. Um, and depending on the customer, again, that could bill by the minute, it could bill by the quarter hour, um, but it, it does automatically bill. Um, sometimes it takes a while to see that detention. They have, it just depends on the contract. Some customers pay right away. And so we, we get that detention and that week settlement. And there's other customers that it, it pays us whenever the customer pays, and it can take months and months to get the detention. But we do always get it. I mean, it might take a while, but we do get the detention. Yeah. And that's like a, that's like a kind of a carrier rate. It's not the it's not like a driver pay detention type rate. I imagine. I'm, well, I'm with, guessing. Yeah, varies probably by with, customer with, too. It, it varies by customer. Um, and the way that we pay our drivers, our drivers don't get extra detention because they get paid the same to sit yeah. for six hours and watch YouTube videos as they do to drive the truck. Yeah. So their detention is built into it. What DeWitt was getting at there is a big element of his fleet that sets him apart from a lot of owners. and something of a trend among fleets, small and large, that seek to eliminate some of the quote-unquote unknowns around compensation for employee drivers. DeWitt pays his almost three dozen company drivers on a guaranteed salary-like system. Available to work for a week, by the end of a 90-day initial employment period with the company, a driver will make more than $1,500 for that week. When I spoke to DeWitt back in the late summer, attendant to my then profile of his business, one among those 10 semi-finalists I mentioned earlier for Overdrive's Small Fleet Champ competition this year, the owner was contemplating a new bonus structure intended to reward top earners more than he does today hoping to build in some of that incentive type structure, that skin in the game to use his own words, that he admires in the compensation structure he sees all around his principal freight partner. Right, so the the base pay hasn't changed. Yeah. It's 1,400 a week to start, 1,470 at 30 days, and um, 1,540 at 90. Yeah. We were doing, and we still are for the remainder of this year, at the end of every month, I give the top five drivers a bonus based on truck um, earnings, net settlement. So everything that comes out of the settlement, um, tally that up, write the drivers one through 34, and the number one driver gets 500, number two driver gets 400, and so on down to spot five. Um, we need to do a raise across the board to account for inflation. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't like just giving a standard raise because kind of like Prime, I guess, that puts people on the hook for their performance. I want to reward the people that are doing the best job, right? 
Um, so in a 34 truck fleet, you've got some superstars and you've got a few people that are lucky to have a job at all. And that's always going to be the case everywhere. Um, so the other thing I didn't like about doing it month to month is you might have a superstar that just had some bad luck one month. Um, maybe the truck sat in the shop for a week and yeah, I'm still paying him, but he, he didn't generate revenue. Right. Um, and that would cause a guy that ordinarily, you know, week in and week out is a, one of your top performers and he doesn't get any, any bonus this month. So what we're going to do next month or next year, I'm sorry, starting at the end of January is it's going to be, it's still settlement based, but it's going to be a year to date weekly average. So, and we're paying more positions. So, um, the end of January, of course, there's only one month to account for. So that really will be for the month of January. Um, but it'll be average weekly net settlement. Uh, and we will rank our drivers top, uh, one through 34. And number one spot will get 500. Number two spot will get 475. Number three spot will get 450. On down to spot 17, where you hit $100, spot 17 through spot 25 will get $100, and below spot 25 will get no bonus. Excuse me. So um, then in February, it'll be the the weekly, average weekly net settlement for January and February. It's going to be a year to date. So what I like about that is it protects your superstar drivers so that even if they have a bad weekend there someplace, and the further along in the year that you get, <clears throat> the more protection they'll have of being up there in the rankings, because everybody has a bad week at some point. There's always going to be, you know, a few days where you're down for maintenance or you get stuck sitting somewhere. And even though you're getting paid and maybe we're getting layover, it's not like you were. It's, it's not the same for us as far as revenue goes as if the truck was running. Um, but... <clears throat> Your your better performers are always going to be more toward the top. Your worst performers are probably going to be more toward the bottom. Um, there's incentive in there for the people that are in the bottom nine that get no bonus to do better um, and and improve. Um, it's going to cost me on 34 trucks. It's going to cost me eighty thousand dollars extra next year. Um, I'm hoping <laughs> I've been told by my insurance company that it looks like when we renew that we're going to be able to save some money that will help cover that. And um, as contracts get renegotiated next year, there will be an increase. So I'm hoping that maybe by June of next year, um, as maybe the lower performing drivers start doing better, that we will be able to expand the bonus program so that um, the the top the top driver will get a couple hundred extra more per month, and we'll be able to move the 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 stepping down down so that pretty much everybody gets some kind of a bonus at the end of the month. And as for end of year bonuses, structured somewhat similarly to the new monthly model going into effect in the new year. I think we're probably going to hand out around fifty thousand dollars between thirty-four trucks. It's a it's a chunk of change, but I try to set <laughs> back all year for that. Um, yeah. Just like insurance renewals and license plates, which you wouldn't think that's a big expense, but license oh, yeah. plates on thirty-four trucks is like seventy thousand dollars, so almost. Yeah. Um, so I always every week I put. 
I put some money back um, so that when I have something big like that come up, it's there. Hopefully, the idea of of rewarding drivers like this, I, I really think that the the bonus program next year, because the problem with an end of year bonus, especially in trucking, where carriers, from a driver's point of view, having been a, a company driver at one point, it seems like carriers set these. They put the carrot so far out there that you can't even see it. And then if it does get within sight, they find a way for you to not get whatever it is they promised you. And the end of your bonus probably seems like that to the drivers that weren't with me last year who got the bonus and realized, yeah, Tim's actually going to give us this money. Um, right. So doing the monthly thing every month, people are going to see at least, well, the higher up the the list you are, the, you'll see a, a, a significant bonus. And for those people that are maybe middle of the pack that only get a hundred or two hundred dollars, at least they know they're actually getting a bonus and that there is more money to be had. If, I mean, if a truck can, if a truck just adds, I mean, if you can find a way to run one extra load a month, that could be the difference of a uh, hundred dollar uh, performance bonus and a two hundred dollar performance bonus. And I mean, a hundred dollars doesn't sound like much, but times twelve, it's twelve hundred bucks a year. Yeah. You know? Very structured. Um, obviously, um, obviously, it takes a lot of time to administer. Um, I wonder if yeah, you know, my, that... Microsoft Excel and I are very well acquainted. I wonder if this is a. I mean, the ability to to do this and develop these systems as quickly as you have. You know, I mean, geez, it's only been a, a couple of years that you've been uh, since you were cajoled into becoming a fleet owner. Um, <laughs> I mean, the fact that these these things are in place that are, you know, clear benefit to the drivers, the fact that you're a power-only carrier and not uh, in that, uh, directly in that kind of like uh, customer uh, relationship uh, management, uh, freight procurement uh, kind of role, uh, it sounds like you've, you've really been able to benefit from, from the, the type of operation that you're in in this other way by virtue of the fact that you're you're in it um and that that seems to me kind of a, a benefit for for owners like yourself that that clearly are kind of invested in sort of changing the relationship that the company has with the driver power only i mean i don't have to worry about booking loads and things like that right yeah. but i'm giving prime a ton of money this year i mean i'm probably giving them well i could look and see but i'm probably giving them like a million and a half this year right i could hire a whole lot of office staff for that of course that also is like the trailer rental and and there's you can probably consider some of that a factor in fee because i get direct deposits or wire transfer um every week i'm not having to wait 30 days to get paid so it's almost like factoring built into it um so it's not that huge amount of money that i'm giving them just goes for office staff but yeah. I mean, if I was doing my own thing, I, I wouldn't personally be doing that for 34 trucks. I would have a couple of people that would be doing, yeah. doing that. Um, but of course, then I'd have to have accounts receivable and all of that. Um, but probably, probably the biggest benefit that allows me to do some of the um, non-traditional things as far as driver pay that I do is number one, I drove a truck in this system for two years before I started building a fleet. And I know what an average truck should be able to make over the course of a year. I mean, those weeks I lose, those weeks I lose money like company wide, 
I mean, Fourth of July was brutal. I think I was seventeen thousand in the red because I like my drivers to be home for the big holidays if they want to be. I, I my my goal, and I probably sound just like BS, but I really do want to keep my drivers happy because it costs a lot of money to have a truck fit. And on top of that, I think I'm a nice guy. I've done the job. Driving sucks a lot of the times. Like I tell my drivers, the way I pay. I can take part of the suckiness out of the job and that your money's always going to be right. You know how much you're going to get paid, but trucking's still going to suck. You're still dealing with traffic. You're dealing, you know, most of our, most of our customers are actually, they're bigger. They, they have um, the act together. I mean, you may end up sitting, but the, it's a, it's a pretty organized system. You're not dealing with too many rude people that disrespect you, which is common. A lot of smaller customers, I think, but you're still going to run into the shipper that has an attitude or the receiver that has an attitude. So there's things like that, that it's, it's just, it's endemic with the job. Yeah. Um, but the worst thing I always thought when I was a, a, a company driver was I'm here, I'm ready to drive, give me a good truck and a load and let's go make money. But if you have an incompetent company that gets you into an area and then lets you sit for three days because they're holding out for an extra 20 cent a mile load or something, or your truck breaks down. I mean, why should I be held responsible for that? But yet you are, if you're paid by the model. Partnering with somebody like a company like Prime that is very large, um, very successful, and very stable. I know if I provide a truck that, that is in good mechanical shape and I provide a driver, the rest is taken care of, basically. Right. We, we give the driver a little bit of training. We run a driver when we, when we have a new hire. I'll have, I've got a couple of drivers that I use as trainers. Not that I'm trying to train somebody how to drive, but teach them our, the, the system, how to do things efficiently. And I'll have that driver go pick up the new hire and they'll run one or two days. They'll run a load or two to get to a terminal so that I can get them into a truck. Um, once I do that, I mean, of course, there's a little bit of on the job learning that's going to take place, but that truck should be profitable. It might not be profitable this week. Uh, maybe they'll make a little money this week and they'll lose a little money next week. But on the average, that truck's going to generate some positive revenue um, and, and some profit. So that allows me to kind of, and I'll be honest, this the new bonus thing is I'm a little concerned because that's a lot of money to commit to. I've told everybody we're doing it. So at this point, we are doing it no matter right. what. But I have, I have faith that we are going to be able to save a little bit on our insurance. I'm pretty, pretty certain of that. And I'm pretty certain that as these contracts that Prime have gets renegotiated, that that revenue will come up and, and we're going to be okay. Yeah, definitely rates are going up. And, um, and that'll probably take a couple months to really see exactly what that means for us. Um, but I, I'm pretty sure that we're going to be able to even expand the bonus program, the monthly bonus program next year, more than what I've set forth. I mean, and maybe I'm in a a little bit of a, not unique, but an unusual situation or uncommon situation in that. I mean, I'm certainly not rich by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, I was just driving a truck three years ago. But my wife is a physical therapist. She, she, she's been doing the same job for the same company 27 years. Um, she doesn't make enough to cover all of our personal expenses, but she does right. pretty good. So, I mean, if, I mean, this year we had, we expanded pretty quickly. And I mean, I had quite a few trucks sitting at one time, which was pretty scary. Right. I, I mean, I gave myself a huge pay cut this year. 
um, just because I wanted to make sure the company stayed profitable and everybody got paid. Getting paid, they are. Here's how DeWitt describes what the guaranteed pay structure he's put in place affords a driver over the course of a year. I mean, with what we're paying, without any of the bonuses, when you look at the tax benefit of the premium and a driver that just goes out and does the, we have a three-week-out minimum, day and a half home time for every week out. So three weeks out, four and a half to five days at home. If they just do that, they're making basically a guaranteed $70,000 a year. And I saw an article, I don't know what industry magazine it was, but at some point this year, they were talking about what the average driver makes or what the average pay is at the top 20 companies to drive for. And it was right around 70000 a year. And so when you think about what it means at these other companies to make 70000 a year, that means you've got some drivers that are out there staying out 50 weeks a year, chilling themselves for every mile they could possibly get to, mm-hmm. for that $70,000 average. So just the basic, I think we're paying pretty fair. Um, yep. And then when you look at the, the annual bonus, which can be up to $3,000, um, and then what we're starting to do next year, I mean, if you're in the number one spot for all 12 months, which isn't likely, you know, there's going to be some fluctuation, but that's a possible $6,000 there to be picked up, $3,000 on the end of your bonus. Right. So if you just stayed out 43 weeks a year, you could basically make yourself $80,000. And that's not counting the 401k and the health insurance that we pay a quarter of the premiums. For those who want to do it, we don't have a lot of volume on that yet. So when it comes to DeWitt's advice for the single truck owner operators in the audience, new to the trucking business or not, but with an eye toward growth and a power-only system, regular readers may have encountered some of what follows here in our three-part feature on the growth in power-only trucking since the onset of the pandemic. It's worth hearing again, though, to take us out to the end. Take your one truck, go wherever it is. Number one, ask around, right? Carriers have reputations. Um, and sometimes they're deserved and sometimes they're not. Um, the bigger you are, the more people you're going to tick off. And there's always going to be bad things out there about every. Um, but I would take my one truck, especially if I'm currently driving it. And I didn't, I mean, it's very easy. I mean, when you've got one truck and you don't have a trailer, how, I mean, it's just like going to lease on someplace other than you're not leasing. You've got your own authority, but you just drive over and, and after you do a little bit of research and give it a shot and give it a couple months and see if it's working. Um, I think just in general, what I've seen over the many years talking to um, whether they're one truck lease operators or people that have a motor carrier authority is um, they may be great at driving a truck, but they might not have any understanding of business. Um, And there's a big difference especially when you go to build a fleet, there's a huge learning curve um, to understand what's involved. I mean, company drivers are never going to treat the equipment like you would treat it. You're going to pay to fix everything stuff that as a one truck guy, you you might fix at a rest area for free with bailing wire and duct tape. You're going to be taking that truck to a shop. The truck's going to be down. You're going to pay, 129 an hour or 149 an hour to the shop to get something fixed. So really coming to terms of what that's going to mean to have other drivers, it's a big jump. Um, but I think so many guys don't understand the numbers. They don't know whether they're profitable or not. Um, look at MC or DOT numbers on trucks as, as you go by them or they pass you. 
Mine's 1808849. It's my DOT number. Almost every truck I see on the highway is up in the three millions. So that means that since 2008, when I got my motor carrier authority, there's been something like 1.4 to 1.6 million trucking companies. And most of them have come and, have come and gone. And um, either they have a bad business model, they don't understand the numbers, um, or God only knows what, or they're just unsafe. I don't know. Huge failure rate in trucking. And I think a lot of it is either a lot of people think, well, they may know how to drive a truck and they think they can run a business and they assume wrong. Um, or they, they go in, and I think that this is pretty prevalent today also with certain small newer carriers, is they, they get into business to make as much as they can, as quickly as they can at the expense of everybody else. And they, have, they, they don't even plan on being in business for long. They plan on what I call burning their authority. And you'll see that having one truck under your own authority, whether it's power only or pulling broker freight, but the other people that are really trying to do things right, one of the mistakes I see other people make is, is they are not frugal. Um, yeah. You get a great settlement for, you know, uh, in the summer and freight's booming and everything's going right and all your trucks are on the road and maybe you're used to seeing a $10,000 deposit per week and now you're seeing 20000 and uh, and I hear this actually from some of the other fleet managers at Prime. Um, guys go out and they get a they they buy an expensive SUV and they buy their wife a Mercedes and they buy their kid a uh, uh, a Camaro. Well, not a Camaro anymore, but mm-hmm. well, could be. But buy their kid a sports car and they have a boat and motorcycles. And I mean, I don't have my drivers have more more toys than I do. For the area, I live in a pretty expensive house, but. I really don't want. And I mean, I've got the property I used to live at, which I now rent out. Um, and I've got a little shop there, but I don't have a motorcycle. I don't have an ATV. I don't have a boat. I don't have an RV. I would much rather have money in the bank because all of those things are fun, but they're, they're useless if I have all these payments and I hit a, a dry spell financially. Words to live by, words to truck by. You can find more along similar lines in Overdrive's Partners in Business Manual, produced with partners at owner-operator business services firm, ATBS. It's updated annually as a detailed guide to fundamental aspects of running an owner-operator business, from equipment financing, choosing freight partners, taxes, and various business structures, to getting authority, managing people when you expand. Look for it at overdriveonline.com partners hyphen in hyphen business. You can also find that power only three-part feature I mentioned at overdriveonline.com. Search power only to pull it up. Here's a big thanks to Mr. Tim DeWitt for his time and insight. I think I'm a nice guy. (laughs) Yeah, I'd say so. Thanks to all of you for hanging in to the end of the run here. Overdrive Radio is a production of Overdrive, the voice of the American trucker. It's edited and produced by me, Todd Dills, with additional support from Overdrive Extra contributing writer Paul Marhofer, Overdrive News Editor Matt Cole, Social Media Coordinator Holly Young, and Executive Editor Alex Lockie. Till next time, keep it pro out there.